Good morning, everyone. So good to open up God's Word together. Today, being Father's Day, we are going to, we're going to look at our Heavenly Father. And I want you to, to look with me at our loving Heavenly Father and also the idea of inheritance. The idea of the inheritance that He gives to His children. Now, what you think about when you hear the word inheritance reveals a lot about you. Some of you think, hey, those lucky people that are born into really, really rich families, they get all that inheritance. How come I don't get any? And some of us feel a little bit of envy, a little twinge of envy. Others of us are saying, what am I going to get? You don't want to be, you know, you want to be unloving towards your family, but you're thinking, did they save anything up for me, or will they just load me down with a bunch of bills, a bunch of debt? And then a lot of parents are thinking, how can I save up for my kids? What will I be able to give to them? Well, today we're looking at it in the spiritual sense of the inheritance that believers have in Jesus Christ. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. When you find that, please stand with me to read God's Word. And we're going to look at verses 4 and 5 today, but I'm going to read the first five verses of 1 Peter 1. This is God's Word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being Guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. These verses are chock full the goodness of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your presence. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the gospel truth that changes our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would have your way with us today. Lord, we know that you comfort us by your word and you challenge us by your word and you convict us by your word. And Lord, we pray for your will, for what you want in our lives, in, in our households, in this church, and to the ends of the earth. And we pray for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Inheritance is something that maybe we don't think about too often, but biblically speaking, it is, it is a big theme. 
go back to the Old Testament and you would go to Abraham and the inheritance that God promised him and it was a land. But it went beyond that to a, a spiritual gifting from God of, of, of eternal life. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The Bible tells us that the inheritance does not come through the works of the law. It was by faith in the promises of God. There was this inheritance that was promised. God even told the priest that he was their inheritance. You go to the New Testament, you've got Jesus being the heir. You've got believers being heirs with Christ. The idea is when there's an inheritance, there is an heir that is going to get the inheritance. You might think of a king who's on the throne and he has a son, and that son is the heir to the throne. He's not the king yet. He is going to get the throne someday when his father passes on. Or you think of that rich family who's got loads and loads of wealth, and, and the children are the heirs of the fortune. They will receive it at a later date. Now, First Peter has been talking all about salvation so far. Peter has been zeroed in on God's electing grace that before the foundation of the world he chose whom he would save and his foreknowledge that before anyone else knew God knew what he would do before you knew that you needed rescue God knew he would rescue you if you have come to faith in Christ he's talking about the the sanctification of the Holy Spirit he is talking about obedience to Jesus He has told us that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Based on the resurrection of Jesus, we have been regenerated by God. God has given those who were dead spiritually, spiritual life. Raised the dead to life. So Peter has been all about this, and he is talking about salvation. And he's called that salvation a living hope. And now he calls that salvation an inheritance. You see salvation in the past, elect, foreknown, God knew what he would do. You see salvation in the present, the idea of regeneration, the idea of sanctification, God making us more like Christ. And then now you see salvation in its fullest sense as this inheritance that lasts for eternity. And we're just getting little bits of it right now, little hors d'oeuvres, little samples of this eternal inheritance. I want you to focus with me on this inheritance that is given by our Heavenly Father. It's going to be simple. We're going to look at what is it? What is this inheritance? And then what is it like? What's this inheritance characterized by? And then I want to look at a question that affects all of us. That why is it? And I've seen it so many times before, but why is it that so many Christians, so many professing believers say that they have trouble being confident in their inheritance in Christ. They waver, they wonder, they, they, they wonder if it's really true or not. And so we're going to look at that as well. So go with me first to verse 4. We'll, we'll pick it up at verse 4. There are going to be really three things I will show you about the inheritance. And the first is this, it is provided by God. This inheritance is from God. Verse 4 starts, to an inheritance. So it's part of a sentence. It says that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. So there is an inheritance and it is sourced by God. He is the provider. This is important. Why is it so important? Peter thought it was very important when he was writing to believers that were going through persecution and some of whom would be burned alive by Nero. whom The persecution would get worse before it got better for them. He was telling them right off the bat, right out of the gate, you need to know what you have and how you got there. That God is the source. God is the provider. He elected you. He foreknew you. He is sanctifying you. He is empowering you for obedience. He has caused you to be born again. And there's this inheritance that you have. It's from God. We should say praise God. In our hearts, with our voices, and I said last week, before your feet touch the ground in the morning, you should be saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's from God. So why is it that God gives eternal life, and he wants you to be comforted and confident in that, so that you would live this life to its fullest in all the callings that God has placed on you? Why is it, though, that so many believers... And I've seen this so many times over the years as a pastor. The, the, the faces, the, the names, the locations, the, the, the exact situations change, but the underlying cause is, is very similar. It's uncanny how, how similar our issues are. The idea is, how come we have trouble being confident in this inheritance? That God says very clearly is ours in Christ. And look, we live in a, in a bad world that is also beautiful. The sin-filled world that is filled with God's beauty and God is dealing with that tension. He is sovereign and we are looking around going, everything is falling apart. And at times, your life feels like that. Your life feels like it's just unraveling. And often we lose our confidence in this inheritance that is ours. Why is that? I think the number one reason I would give, and again, this is from 29 years, not that many years, but 29 years of pastoral ministry, I would say it's because people listen to lies way too often. People are listening to lies. And, and I'm not talking about people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about people who profess faith in Christ and say, Jesus is my life and my eternity is secure but through Him. And then they listen to all sorts of lies that tell them the exact opposite of that. It breaks my heart. I've listened to lies. You've listened to lies. We've listened to lies. And, and think about the world in which you operate on a daily basis wherever you are, in the place that God has called you to serve Him, be in your home, in the community, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are, there are influences that you are taking in. You're hearing things and you're thinking things and many of them are lies. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to point you to the truth. It's very interesting as, a, as a, someone who wants to help people with the Word of God. 
It's this fine razor's edge between wanting to be liked, which should not be our number one priority, and wanting people to be helped. And often, the thing that people need the most is to hear the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. The truth will set you free. We are, though, bound in lies, and sometimes we don't know how we got there. And we got bits of the Bible, and we got bits of humanistic uh, philosophies, and all sorts of things jumbled in our minds, and, and God wants to sort this out, and he wants us to get rid of the lies. That's what he wants you to do. Sometimes we don't even realize it's a lie because we've believed it so long. And we've, we've followed after it so closely. And we have, it has just become ingrained in us at times. We're listening to lies. And Walker Percy was writing an um, a essay about novels. And he said, bad books lie. And he said, the reason they lie, and what they lie about the most is, about the human condition. See, one of the lies is that you should get everything you can while you're here on earth because there's nothing else after this. It's like, get everything you can, put it in a can, sit on the can. Just get as much, fill your arms with everything you can because this is all there is. You're hearing this all the time. What you see right now is all there is. What I'm telling you all the time and what God's word is telling you all the time is it is not. It's not all there is. There are eternal realities. There's there's an inheritance laid up for you in heaven, laid up for me in heaven, laid up for us in heaven that goes so far beyond the years that we live here on this earth that it isn't even a good math equation. You can't equal it out. 70, 80 years here on earth and eternity, uh, they don't compare. It's not even a grain of sand up against all the grains of sand in the whole world. That's not even close. There's this inheritance that we have. It's been provided. It's sourced in God. It has to do with our election and our foreknowledge and being sanctified and being born again. And and there's this inheritance and it is real and we need to believe the truth. If you have to, force feed yourself the truth. Often that's what we need to do to battle and counteract the lies that are swirling around all over the place. So that's the first thing I want you to see. This inheritance is from God. He provided it. It's ours in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have this inheritance. The Bible makes it really, really clear that if you're not a believer, you are destined to destruction unless and until you repent of your sins and come to faith in Christ. So it's very clear that the inheritance is only for the family of God. Those born again by the Spirit of God, those who have placed their faith in Jesus and His finished work on the cross, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His promised return. We preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The first thing I want you to see here is that this inheritance was provided, is sourced by our Heavenly Father. You need to believe that truth. You need to remind yourself. Remind yourself of these truths. You're going to doubt something this week about these truths. I want you to promise me that when you doubt something about these truths, you will go to the Word of God. I want to see. Just tell me, you can do that? Let me see. Okay, most of us, way better than second hour. Let me just say, there's way more people here that want to remind themselves of these truths when they, when they waver. You, you need to. And, and, and there's something else. It's not just about you. 
It's about you and the person next to you, the person across the aisle from you, and the person who lives in your house, and the person who is in your small group, and the person that's walking alone. Will you help someone else with these truths? Will you, will you remind them of the truth? When you see a believer wavering and downcast and dejected and, and despondent, will you remind them with these truths? There's a second thing I want you to see, and it, it just flows right with this passage, and it has to do with how this inheritance is not provided but per- perfected. Not sourced, but sustained. God doesn't just provide it and say, you're on your own till heaven. See you there, hopefully. No, it's the, he provides the inheritance and then he perfects it. He sustains it. Because Peter says, it is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading. And we say we live in a land of moldy bread and rotting milk and, and eggs that go bad. We live in a, in a perishable economy. You know, you go to the supermarket and you buy some yogurt and then you forget that it's in the back seat and you go into another appointment for like three hours in 85 degree weather. You don't want to be eating yogurt when you get home. No, of course not. We, we live in a perishable world and it is defiled. Imperishable means that it will never perish. When we look around and go, that's just, I don't get it because I live in a place that perishes. Weeds grow and paint peels off and skin gets wrinkled. Look, I've already insulted you once. I told you you listen to lies, so let's go for number two, okay? It's not just that you listen to lies. You're lazy, too. I love you. I'm telling you the truth. So am I. We're lazy. We don't want to go with the in, in, imperishable... Th- we're like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Now you call me lazy. Why? Well, we, because what happens is our, our problem is we know what's going on and we know God sustains this and we know he perfects it, but we want to sit in a, in a leather recliner while God does all the work and we just, you know, have the, the, uh, the Heaven Express. You know, I want to sit on the Heaven Express and just, okay, God, you got it. I'll just, you know, kick back for a while. No. God wants you to be fully engaged in the process. I'm going to say something else about you that you're not going to like, but, but you know it's true. You're getting old. And you're going to die. And your looks are fading. <laughs> you're beautiful people, okay? You're beautiful people. Some of you are like, I'm going to deny it. Right over there, I see you in the third row. You're denying this. Tell him the truth. This afternoon, before it's too late. I'm serious. You, you're beautiful people, but you're getting old. The only people that aren't getting old yet, that are like old, old, are the kids. Because you're like still climbing the hill. You haven't gone over the hill yet. Me, I'm over the hill, okay? I used to have a six-pack. Now I'm like working on a keg or something, right? I'm like, well, not really, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, but I'm working against it. I'm, I'm fighting against the, the passage of time. Gravity, whatever you want to call it, you know how you feel if you're, I don't know, let's say over 30, how you feel in the morning when you wake up. And you have these aches and pains. And some of you are, have cancer. And some of you don't even know it yet. And some of you do know it and, and you know you're terminal. But guess what? We're all terminal. Every one of us. Every one of us. But we have been told so many lies about how you've got to just pump your body up or 
get stuff sucked out of it or uh, have elective surgery as many times as you can to make yourself look good. And people are just all worried about how they look. And Jesus is saying, you know what? You have an imperishable inheritance in heaven and it's undefiled and it's unfading and I'm sustaining it and I'm perfecting it and it has nothing to do with your looks. You're beautiful, all right? You're beautiful. But you're gonna die and you're lazy. Especially you. (laughs) I'm not picking on anyone back over here. He was in first hour. Okay, so anyway... talking to someone this day this week and they said hey uh i'm teetering between belief and unbelief i talked to someone else this week and this happens all the time you know you interact with people you know uh, they said i'm teetering between faithfulness and unfaithfulness people are teetering between keeping on following jesus or saying you know what it just didn't work these aren't people that uh, say i don't believe in jesus these are professing believers who are saying i don't know I, I don't know. I was talking to this one person this week, and they said that. They said, I'm teetering between belief and unbelief. And then they launched into telling me about how they're doing this workout. They called it a CrossFit workout. Are you doing that? Anyone? Anyone? CrossFit workout? And the, and the version of it is called endurance. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this person doesn't know what's going to hit them next. And I said, I'm your friend, so I'm going to tell you the truth. That's awesome, but guess what? You need that spiritually way more than you need it physically. You're doing the CrossFit workout for endurance? You need the CrossFit workout for spiritual endurance. I'm like, hey, you been in the Word lately? Hmm, I don't know. By the way, I, 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 I haven't told you something that I'm doing. I should tell you about these things more often, but... Uh, I'm three weeks into First Peter, preaching it verse by verse, and I realized I forgot to tell you what you and I are going to be doing for the next year. <laughs> We're going to memorize First Peter. I got a plan for your life. We're going to memorize First Peter. Now, actually, actually, I'm just going to ask you if you would consider memorizing First Peter with me. Now, look, you know me. I go slow through Bible books, and uh, I didn't memorize Matthew, but I am trying to memorize First Peter. I'm five verses in. I got it down. I'm halfway. I can get halfway through this chapter because I've read it so many times. There is no way you can memorize the Word of God without exposing yourself to the Word of God. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I did give you a card today in your bulletin that is First Peter 1, 3 through 5. It says, Confidence in the Inheritance. It's for you to put up wherever you're going to be where you can see it often. I'm going to put it on right on my sink in the bathroom where I shave and floss and brush my teeth. I do one of those things once, one of those things twice, and one of those things maybe once a day. Um, You could put it on your dashboard in your car, but I would say, you know, there's law enforcement personnel that go here, and they would say, don't do that. Uh, Don't text and drive, and don't read your Bible and drive, okay? Read your Bible all the time. Don't do it while you're driving, unless you can listen to it, maybe. But... I want you to think about filling your mind over and over again, many times, repetitively, the Word of God. Because you know what the Word of God does? It washes your soul. We, we are defiled all the time. Imperishable inheritance. It, it cannot go away. It's, it's timeless. It's ageless. It's not like our looks. And it's undefiled. That means it's, it's untainted by sin. We look around and everything's tainted by sin, not the inheritance. 
and, and it's unfading. You know, you plant flowers in the backyard and you put it in a dry spot and you don't water it, they will die. You cut your flowers and you put them in a vase, you put water in them, they're going to fade away. You cut off their life supply. Everything we look at in life, it's like it's fading away, not the inheritance. It grows stronger and stronger. It gets better and better. It's, it's in Christ forever. It's reserved, in, it even says, for you. So what we've got to do is we've got to, because of our, our tendency to be lazy, we've got to work out often, spiritually. Second, um, the second chapter of Philippians says um, something very interesting. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Some people misunderstand that and they say, oh, I'm supposed to work for my salvation? That's not what it says. It says, work out your salvation. Work it out. And then it says, because it is God who is at work in you to will and do his good pleasure. So God is working with you. Now, last week, I gave, a, I put a chart up, the order of salvation, ordus salutis, and it'll be up here in a moment. And there are this, this, all the things that God is doing, the Bible words, election, he, before the foundation of the world, he chooses will be saved. But calling is where you hear the human proclamation of the gospel. You're called to salvation. Regeneration, God makes dead people alive spiritually. Conversion, and this is not like, you can't time this out. Some of these things are happening simultaneously, but God is doing them. Regeneration, conversion is where you come to faith in Christ. Now, we camp out on conversion and calling. Those are the things humans do. Call people to faith in Christ and believe in Christ. But what God is doing behind the scenes is electing and regenerating. Then he justifies you, makes you right with him. He adopts you into his family. And then we're going to zero in on sanctification here. Next slide. We're going to zero in on that. Sanctification is a progressive, lifelong work of God and man whereby you are being freed from sin and made more like Christ. You are a part of the process. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and do his good pleasure. We don't know how that mystery unfolds, but God does that, and he uses your faith. And then perseverance. All those who are justified will be kept by God's power and preserved as Christians to the end of their lives. And the idea is if you're truly a believer, you may go through peaks and pits. You may go through periods of of unfaithfulness to the Lord, but you will not continue on in an unbelieving type lifestyle over and over again or you're not saved to begin with and the idea is that you are kept by the power of God see the inheritance is provided by God it's sourced by God that's the first thing the second thing is it is perfected by God it is sustained by God it's imperishable undefiled unfading but the third thing I want you to see here is that it is it is protected and secured by God that inheritance that you have if you are a believer it says in verse 4 kept in heaven for you what's kept in heaven for you the the inheritance the inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading is kept in heaven for you that means reserved it's it's in it's got your name on it it's and by the way when he says you that's a plural second person plural he is talking about all the believers that he's writing to we think of it so individualistically. Here he's saying you, but it's the first time he says you in this letter. He's, he's talking as a pastor. He's talking as a shepherd. Peter, the denier. Peter, the vacillator. Peter, the quitter. Now he's speaking as Peter, the recommissioned shepherd. And he is saying that this inheritance 
is reserved for believers. Got your name on it. Angela and I got away for our anniversary on June 1st. It's our 23rd anniversary. And we went away for the evening and we, I made a reservation at a, at a nice restaurant. We walk in. Said, reservation for Mike Shera. Party of two. Come on over. We got a place. I'm like, I'm, I'm important. We're important. They, they, they were expecting us. They had our name. They had a table. God is telling us that there is a reservation and God's not going to take your name off the list. God's not going to say, you know what? You haven't been good enough. You haven't been faithful enough. You haven't been righteous enough. The Bible says our righteousness is Christ's righteousness, not ours. We don't have any righteousness of our own. It's reserved in heaven for you. And then he says, you who are protected or guarded... Do you see this? Look at verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded. The idea here, it's a dual guarding. You're being guarded from two, two things. Yourself and outside influences. The idea here is that God has done something in the past and the effects are still going on and will go on through eternity. Who is guarding you through the faith he has given you for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The idea is that God has literally, in the best possible way, arrested believers, put them in protective custody so that they cannot harm themselves or that others cannot harm them. When Jesus says that no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, those who come to me, that means you can't snatch yourself out of the Father's hand. It means you can't run away. Just today, of. I heard that when Angela was on the way to church, our dog had run out of the backyard, being chased by a coyote, no less. This morning, in orange. Yeah, it happens. And Leela, beautiful dog, keeps... We're good owners, okay? We're, we're good owners. <laughs> we're, it's a good place to live. And Leela keeps trying to run away. She doesn't realize how good she has it. A lot of Christians don't realize how good they have it. A lot of Christians would rather say, you know, God isn't working. God doesn't work. And they put themselves in the sovereign seat. And they make all sorts of pronouncements about God. Thinking they're kind of being like David when he wrote the Psalms. And they're not. Protective custody so that you cannot run away from God. And by the way, if you are running away from God, if you've wandered far from home, you are either, and you're saying you're a believer, you're either Peter, like Peter was, or you're like Judas, who was fake. And all I can tell you is, I'm going to preach the gospel to both kinds of people. You've got to preach the gospel to both kinds of people because you don't know if they're just a wayward believer or if they never knew Christ to begin with. He's saying that this, this inheritance is already for us. It's already been prepared. He says that it's a, it's a imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance kept in heaven for us who are, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The salvation is ready to be revealed. It's ready. It's been accomplished already. But we talk about conversion sometimes and we think that that's salvation. Salvation is the whole kit and caboodle. Okay? From election all the way to glorification. 
All of that is God's saving work. The part that we have a cooperating um, effect on is the sanctification. That we are supposed to want to follow Jesus. We want to because of what he has done. Not to get more grace, not to get more inheritance, like, oh, maybe God's going to keep adding to our account if we're really good. You got it. It's already done. It's already reserved. Nothing's going to get added. You have all of Christ's riches. But why is it that we have trouble being confident in our inheritance in Christ? Sometimes it's because we're listening to lies, and sometimes it's because we're lazy, but it's also... Let's make this a trifecta, okay? There's one more thing I'll say about us. We're prideful. We are prideful people. I am a prideful man. You are prideful people. We are puffed up with pride too often, and we start thinking we're entitled to the inheritance. Hey, I've worked really hard for a long time. Those people over there, I don't like them. Those people over there, I hate them. Well, not, that's not humble. You have hate in your heart towards any believer? You're, you're, you're prideful. You've you're, you got issues. I've got issues. You've got issues. We've all got issues. But if we can't deal with the issues in Christ, then the gospel isn't broken. We are. There was a movie out several years ago called The Ultimate Gift, and it was about this guy who was this entitled young guy, and he wanted, he wanted just more and more money, and he lived a you know, playboy, extravagant lifestyle. And his grandfather, he had a trust, he was living off a trust fund, and his grandfather um, dies, and he, he's going to the reading of the will, and all he's thinking is, let me get out of here as soon as I can and take my big sack of cash with me and all the other things I'm going to get. And he gets there and has a really uh, rude awakening because he finds out that his grandfather has set something else up for him, 12 gifts, he calls them, that's going to teach this young guy that it's not all about the money, and he's going to teach him through pain what, what life really is all about. Well, what, a couple of things I want to say about that. One, God is not standing over you, dangling your inheritance and saying, if you're not good, you don't get. Okay, he's not doing that to you. He has given it to you. It's reserved in heaven for you. You're kept by the power of God. It doesn't depend on your faithfulness, though you should want to please God because of this. But the other thing is, it's really easy to start thinking, I have done a lot of work for Jesus, so he owes me a really good inheritance. And I'm going to get a better one than all those other people that aren't working as hard as me. It's just a falsehood. It's prideful thinking. There's plenty of people also that, that because of pride, think I'm going to be so embarrassed when I get to heaven because I'm just such a lame Christian and I'm just no good at it. And that's also prideful because you somehow think you can be your own savior and you can't. You've got to look to the savior, whether you're feeling entitled or whether you're feeling embarrassed about your lack of whatever you think you should be doing better. It's interesting, talking about the working out thing, you go through your neighborhood on a daily basis and you see people running and biking and hiking and, and some of them are making really weird motions as they're doing it. They're just like weirdos. And, but, they're, but here's what you notice. It's the same people every day. They're, they're, you, you know them. You're like, that's the person I see every day. Even if you don't know their name, they're always working out. They're always engaged. God wants you fully engaged, humbly engaged in the process. The, the inheritance is protected, so you should be confident. This should be free to give 
everything you've got for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. See, it's not for our sakes that we live. It is for Jesus and the gospel. And what you find as you go along is, oh, wait a minute. This inheritance, this new life I have, Jesus himself is the inheritance. Jesus himself is the treasure. Jesus. Lord God, thank you that you are our treasure. Thank you, Lord, that whether we believe it or not, the truth stands. And you want us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and know with assurance that you give eternal life and you want those who have it to be comforted so that they would live fully, fully for you. Lord God, we don't want to go out individualistically. We want to go out hand in hand, helping one another to listen to the truth and reject the lies and spur one another on to love and good deeds and not be lazy, but truly work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And not to be prideful, but to be humble, knowing that it is all, at the end of the day, it is all in your hands. And that's where we will rest, in your hands. And we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.